Is it piece of chain? Or Tao Te Ching? It's the Arrow Wong podcast series. The number one Apple business and number four entrepreneurship podcast. Speaking from Hong Kong. Jeff Goins is a writer, speaker, and entrepreneur. He's the best-selling author of five books, including the art, work, and real artists don't stop. He's also the founder of Fresh Compliant, his book creative agency that helps thought leaders turn good ideas into big ideas. He helps creative people succeed through his best-selling books, courses, coaching, and speeches. He shares his ongoing journey of transformation, inspiring creators to discover their voice and share it with the world. He used to be the editor-in-chief at RAC for The Ordinary and director of marketing and communication director at Adventures in Missions. In this episode, Jeff let us know the behind the scene as a multiple times best-selling author was underneath the grammar's appearance regarding his creative process and the intention. What you see on the surface may not be the truth, but what you hear in this episode is the truth. Jeff is just so real, and I believe this is what makes a great writer great. Without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation with Jeff Goins. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hi, Arrow. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, as you know, you are one of those uh, successful authors I look up to where, where I'm doing my own projects. And I'm also one of your students uh, in terms of writing a bestseller. So this episode is all about what is a bestseller. So can can we kick a set the scene by can we talk about your own best your own best-selling book and your life before a professional creator? How do you get to where you are today? Yeah. Um, well, thank you. And it's so great to to chat with you. And um I I think this term bestseller is a little bit misleading and mm-hmm. um and we have to be careful with it. Uh when I started writing books, I met with a a person who was pretty high up in, in the world of publishing. And he worked, he was actually the CEO of a book distributor. So there are publishers, uh, which are the companies that publish the books. And then there are, uh, there's just a handful of book distribution companies that um, take care of all of the logistics to get books into bookstores, including Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, overseas, you know, in, into different markets. And I was working on my first book and he said, well, what do you want to do? do you want to make a bestseller, right? Do you want to um, sell a lot of copies? Do you want to make a lot of money or do you want to write a really good book? <laughs> and I, I said, I want to do all three of those things. He said, well, yeah, of course, every every author wants to do all three of those things. They, they want to be famous. They want to go, I'm a best-selling author and I hit the New York Times bestseller list or whatever. Um, they want to... Uh, make money off of their book because that feels good and it makes it sustainable. And they want to do the best work that they know that they can do and feel proud of that work. And he said, those are all wonderful goals and you can only optimize for one of them. And so which which do you want to optimize for? And, um, you know, most of my career as an author has actually been struggling between those three things, writing really good work that I'm proud of, selling lots of copies of it and, you know, being famous. And there were times when I said, oh, I I just want to write the best book possible when really I wanted to be famous. Mm -hmm. And, and there were times when I said, you know, I want to be famous and really I just wanted to make money. Um, I would say that these days I'm more driven by the desire to do work that I am proud of. And I also understand that making money off of your work and be, and people knowing who you are is a part of the business of being an author. So um, all that to say, I, I think we have to begin by deciding what we actually want to accomplish and then getting clear definitions of them. I don't think it's a really good goal for an author to say, hey, I want to I wanna become a bestseller and that means hitting a certain bestseller list mm-hmm. um, because you're not in control of that list. What you are in control of is the work that you do, and then what you do to get it out there. Now, the definition that I use for a bestseller is the dictionary definition, not a New York Times bestseller or USA Today bestseller, but a book that sells better than most books that are like it, right? So Mm. uh, that is a bestseller, a bestseller, a bestselling book. So to have a bestselling book, you have to sell a lot of books. And in order to do that, 
you have to um, get that book in front of the right people. And, and when people see that book, they have to understand that it is something that looks familiar to them, but also new at the same time. Mm. And so when I think of um, a bestseller, you know, that's what I think of. And I do like when I'm writing a book, when I'm writing a book, I'm trying to write the best book possible. And then once the book is done, I go, well, how do I get this into as many people's hands as possible so that they can talk about it? And so a bestseller typically, traditionally, before we had all of these lists and things like this, which are sort of like popularity contests, um, it was a distinction, which was to say, this book is selling better than most books that are like it. Um, and, and, and so that means that we should pay attention to it. And so a bestseller I define is a book that sells better than most of its kind. And in order to, to, to do that, you have to first understand what kind of book is this? That's kind of question one. What is the category, right? Cause behind you, you've got looks like the lives of the Stoics and you've got a book that Bill Gates recommended. And, you know, maybe there's a novel or two up there and all of these are different kinds of books. And so the rules and conventions for these different categories are, are different, right? And so if you want to have a bestseller, first you have to ask your question, what kind of book is it? Mm. Then the second the second question is, what are the rules? What are the rules that make other uh, popular books in this category? And then the third question is, how am I going to be different? What rules am I going to break? So what is it like and how is it different? And then what are you going to say in that space? That That's you don't just go, Hey, I want to write a bestseller. You go, no, like first I want to understand that there's a category, there are conventions in this category. And then I have to do something unexpected and surprising. That's going to challenge people's assumptions so that they talk about it. Is there an example? It could be your own books or some uh, people's book that. Yeah. Can of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's never, fun to talk about your own work too much. Um, and, you know, I appreciate the kind words that you said to me and, you know, and I've got my own heroes and people that I look up to. Um, a, a, a great example that you're probably familiar with, and we can, we can do this with lots of different books, both fiction and nonfiction. Um, but whenever, uh, one of the things I do is I, I work with writers, as you know, and, and I'm a ghost writer and I run a, a book production agency where we work with authors to help them write and edit their books and get them out into the world. And um, uh, when I talk to somebody who say wants to write a business book or a personal development book, I go, Hey, what would you like this book to be like? Uh, often they say the four hour work week, right? You know that book, right? Everybody. Yeah. 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 I'm like a fan of the team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great example. Um, and it's a great example of what we're talking about here. That book uh, came out This is, um, you know, early stages of what we now understand to be web 2.0, social media, blogging, all of that stuff. And uh, what Tim did was without a platform, he got a seven-figure deal. He got a million-dollar book deal from a major publisher, Penguin Random House, and um, had this phenomenal book launch leveraging the power of blogs um, and, and immediately hit all the bestseller lists, sold millions of copies of the book. It was, it was a runaway success. And, um, and it all begins not with the marketing campaign, but with the actual message of the book. So when you think of a business book, uh, mm -hmm. or a career book, which is really what that book is, you go, well, you know, what are the conventions? Most career books at the time were saying, you know, um, work harder than most people, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, develop these habits. And, and you will kind of slowly rise in the pyramid system of whatever organization you're in. And, um, but, but one of the conventions uh, is you've got to work at least 40 hours a week. The 40-hour work week is a standard thing, right, mm -hmm. for most people in the developed world. Mm -hmm. um, and he goes, no, instead of, instead of working 40 hours a week, you can work four hours a week. And this wasn't even the main point of the book. It was just the hook. But it was a really good hook because when yes. you hear four-hour work week, you go, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking about – I think a bestseller begins with the idea. Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking about um, the book that you want to write, start with the idea and ask yourself the question, first of all, what, what's the category? What is the space that I want to get into? 
right? Mm -hmm. A memoir is going to have very different conventions and rules than a novel or a career book or a business fable or whatever. And so uh, read a few of those books, figure out what you want to say and don't go, don't say, I want to be like Tim Ferriss because that has already been done before. What Tim Ferriss did is he looked at what most business books were saying and he picked a fight. And mm -hmm. the phrase that I recommend authors work with is everybody thinks X, but what's mm -hmm. actually true is Y. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks blank, right? Everybody thinks that you have to work at least 40 hours a week to get ahead in the world of, you know, building a career. Uh, but the truth is you can work only four hours a week and get a lot more out of it. And that book wasn't about a four hour work week. That book was yes. about the minimum effective dose of anything. Yeah. It was about applying the 80, 20 principle to every aspect of your life, especially work. And if you do that, you can design a life that you love. And so that's, that's a big idea. That's a really cool idea. Another example, kind of in the personal development space um, that came out several years ago, that was another huge success was uh, Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And, yeah, I'm also a big sound step. Yeah, you know, and so that, that's another example of picking a convention. He picked mm. personal development, self-help, mm. and he picked a fight with self-help by writing a self-help book, right? Mm. And and basically he was saying, um, really that book is, is actually, it's not about not giving a fuck. It's about um, mm. caring about the things that are worth caring about and not caring about the things that you cannot control. And if you look at that book and you go through the table of contents, you get a sense of um, uh, every single one of these chapter titles is a little big idea. It's a, it's attacking the status quo. And so I believe that we don't, um, we don't follow leaders because their ideas are good. We follow leaders because their ideas are interesting. And, exactly. And it, and an interesting idea is an idea that isn't just good. You should have a good idea, but good ideas get forgotten all the time. It's not It's not good enough to have a good idea. Um, you have to have an idea that is interesting. And an interesting idea is any idea that challenges the assumptions of a given audience, right? So if you if you take an idea that people think, well, it's got to be this way, and you go, no, no, it's, it's actually this way, that's that's powerful. And so you see this in the world of fiction and memoir too. Um, you know, think of some of the mega best-selling memoir books in the past 10, 20 years. You've got your Elizabeth Gilberts and Cheryl Strades and, you know, those kinds of books, Eat, uh, Eat Pray, Love, mm -hmm. Wild. Uh, what Part of what made those books remarkable is that women wrote them. And women were saying, hey, it's okay for you to have a midlife crisis too. Typically, that was like a thing that men got to do, right? You, <laughs> you had the and bought the Ferrari and did whatever. And, you know, it was like, okay, whatever. But women typically traditionally don't get to have midlife crises and leave their families and travel the world and, you know, do whatever. Um, and so the fact that women were sort of brazenly doing this, um, in part, made it very, very interesting. Mm. Um and so I think we, we misunderstand these books. You know, you read a book like Eat, Pray, Love, which is a wonderfully written book. And you go, if I could just be as good of a writer as that, I would win. And so you've mm. got a whole generation of um, people, particularly uh, young and middle-aged women, going, I want to be Liz Gilbert. Well, you can't become what Liz Gilbert became by trying to be her because that mm. won't work. Now you're, now you're just reproducing the past. You have to look at what are the – what are the popular books right now uh, in the space that I want to enter? And then how could I pick a fight? And I have to pick a fight in a way where it's it's not so revolutionary that that it's absurd. Mm -hmm. And it's not and it's not so ordinary that it's forgettable. And and I think it's something like 80% the same, 20% different. Yeah, you right? always talk, you always teach this in your course. Uh, yeah. The yeah, it's it's not radically different. Uh, take you know one of the books that you have on, on on that shelf is the Lives of the Stoics, I think, which is a Ryan Holiday book. Mm. And um, Ryan Holiday has built an entire career in the past you know less than a decade, uh, mm. basically repackaging uh, Stoic philosophy for a mm. modern audience. He he didn't he didn't recreate he didn't create something. He basically took very simple Stoic principles um, and then he 
translated them into modern language by using modern stories from you know mm. business, entertainment, sports, mm. starting with obviously the obstacle is the way, which itself mm. is an interesting idea. Everybody thinks that once you hit an obstacle, you mm. should uh, quit or work your, your way around it. And he said, no, no, you know, the obstacle becomes the way it is the thing mm. that you work with that leads you to whatever success you're seeking. That's an interesting idea. Everybody thinks that obstacles should stop you when in reality you should work with the obstacle. That's a big idea. Oh, it's amazing that you bring up all the authors that uh, I look up to when I'm doing my own writing projects. And I, I remember that uh, Ryan Holiday says something like, uh, you shouldn't write a book because you want to write a book. The book has to exist in the first place because the world needs it. Or maybe I'm rephrasing it some way, but if I'm asking you now, uh, it seems like you have a totally different uh, opinion uh, from your own past. What would be your reason to give a expiring offer? Why you should write a book? Yeah, I don't like. There's this message now that like everybody should write a book, mm, and I, yeah, I, I don't, don't like I don't agree with that. Yeah. Um, now. Um, you may need to write a book for yourself mm. and, and, and that's an incredibly cathartic experience and that's wonderful. And I would encourage that in the same way that I would encourage journaling or keeping a diary. Um, mm. but just cause you keep a diary doesn't mean the world should read it mm. or that it's even worth their time. And so you should write a book because you have something to say mm. in that's never been said before. Um, and it doesn't have to be entirely original. It shouldn't be. Mm. It should build on what has come before it. But you should be adding something new to the conversation, even if it's just your voice, if it's just your way of saying it. But I think we do have an, an, uh, an entire generation of people that believe they should write a book because they should write a book because it's cool. It's a cool thing to do. And I mean, that just eventually doesn't work, right? You know, mm. you've got eight almost nine billion people in the world um should we have nine billion new books every single year and and then we just read each other's books and every every book sells one copy you know or like i mean how does that work i don't know uh we are seeing with self-publishing that um i mean basically in the past 10 years the amount of books that are being published per year has increased by 10 times it mm. is a 10x increase so there are 10 times as many books out in the world and so as a reader, I mean, like as somebody who enjoys good books, um, I feel a little frustrated by how much noise there is and how everybody's an author and everybody's got to read my book. And there is a lot of junk out there that seems not worth my time. And, and it's hard to sort of cut through all the noise and, and find the good stuff. Now, I like that the same way that I like free speech. You know, I don't think we should censor authors. Um, but I do want to encourage people who are writers to mm. consider why do you why do you want to say this? And is now the time to mm. say it? I mean, mm. I haven't written a new book in about uh, six years, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah about something I want to get you through, but we'll go. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 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 there's a lot of reasons for it, but part of it is because mm. I, I haven't felt like I, I know exactly what I want to say, and and. Mm the way that I want to say it, there are messages that kind of bubble up, but I don't want to waste your time mm. going, uh, here's some stuff that happened to me, or here's some ideas that I have. Sometimes I have to do that just to like get it out there and figure out what I want to say. Um, but I think, I think you should write a book when mm. you feel like you have something to say and you aren't exactly sure what it is. That's okay. But you feel deeply, emotionally, viscerally, I have something to contribute to the world and it is a mm. gift that I want to share. And then the endeavor to write the book is the process of discovering what it is you want to say. So you don't have to sit down. At least I don't, I don't have to sit down knowing exactly what I'm going to say, because as I begin to write the book, mm. I kind of learn what it like, it's teaching me something. Yes. Um, you know, uh, there's, I think it's Madeline Langle who says you have to write the book that wants to be written. And, mm. and so you, you start writing a book, usually with an idea, I'm gonna write a book about this. And once you start writing the book, it turns into something else. I really like that. 
um, because it teaches me something, it humbles me. And then I feel excited to share this message with the world because it's not something that I just made up. I feel like it's something that I discovered and, and feels kind of deeply true in a universal sense. Um, and so, uh, but when I set, set up to write a book, mm -hmm. I go, I want to say something about this because nobody's talking about this the way that I want to talk about it. And I want to pick a fight. I want to say something that needs to be said because, because nobody else is doing it and it's time to say this. And then as I begin to say it, I learn more about what I'm actually going to say. Mm. Based on what we just talked about, can we talk about your second season of life? Because, mm, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you seem so quiet in the past few years. Uh, you you haven't published any books, and then you even seem so quiet in your uh, writing course. And then, yeah, I just want, I'm just curious what you are doing. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, I'm getting. I have I'm, looked up to your Instagram post, uh, and then, uh, uh, it uh, seems like he's doing some okay. interesting thing. What he is actually doing. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, well, one thing, Arrow, is I'm getting older. <laughs> I'm, I'm approaching 40, 40. This is my last year in my 30s. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot has happened in the past few years. I went through a divorce. I I had my own sort of existential crisis. You know, uh, there have been a few times in my career um, as a writer, which has spanned the past 10 years or so, where I've accomplished things that I thought would make me happy and didn't. And, um, you know, that? uh, best-selling book, okay. make a mil, make a million dollars, um, do things that you never thought you could do. And I just kept setting new goals. I want to make a million dollars this year. Did it. Uh, I want to have a best-selling book. Did it. I want to become an author. Did it, you know? And I always got to the end of these experiences and, um, was sort of disillusioned by them. Like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. So the big thing over the past few years it is um, going, well, if those things didn't make me happy, if a million dollars didn't make me happy, two million probably isn't going to do that. And if one best-selling, you know, if two best-selling books didn't make me happy, then three probably won't. So what the hell is going to make me happy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you're right in that my life has gotten a little bit more quiet in the past few years. Part of that is just kind of figuring out like what, what do I, what is the life that I want to live? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I'm still figuring that out. What I did realize is it is possible to achieve a bunch of goals in life only to realize that they weren't your goals, right? So one of the things that we do is we worship other people and we go, oh, I'd love to be like Tim Ferriss or Ryan Holiday or whatever. And I have had the unfortunate privilege of meeting many of my heroes and realizing they're just people like me. <laughs> and and so and 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 mm. some some of them are wonderful people and some of mm. them are uh, were just as unhappy as I was when I met them. And mm. I was like, oh, okay. So I do know successful people that are happy. Hmm. Um, but their happiness is not directly related to their success. Cause I know plenty of successful people who are unhappy and I was unhappy as a quote unquote successful person. So I have prioritized happiness quite a bit. Hmm. Um, and, and my life has quieted down uh, significantly and I have started trying to live a life that is worthy of my own respect. One of the reasons why I was so unhappy is I was accomplishing things hmm in a way that I didn't respect, meaning sacrificing my personal health and emotional health and, and, and doing everything at all costs to hit a bestseller list. And then to hit the bestseller list and go, but look at everything I had to give to do that. That wasn't fun. Would you mind uh, talk about what did you exactly sacrifice? In 2015, I launched a book called The Art of Work. And yeah, I was, right yeah, 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 and it it was a good book. I'm proud of the book. And Me then too. I went on this crazy marketing campaign to sell as many copies of the book as possible. I gave away copies of the book. Um, I I paid for people to to get the the book. 
Um, and I spent 200, about $200,000 trying to turn this book into a bestseller and it turned into a bestseller and I, um, I didn't like how I did it. You know, I, mm. I didn't just put the book out into the world and promote it at a pace that felt healthy to me. I mean, I burned myself out. I, I burned out many of my fans. I burned out my team. Um, why to say so that I could say I was a bestseller. Um, I regretted how I did that. I almost went bankrupt doing it, uh, which is crazy. Um, and, uh, yeah, like making, trying to make lots of money, trying to sell lots of online courses, um, and, and doing it in a way that just wasn't sustainable. Uh, what, what did I have to sacrifice? You know, my health sometimes just, mm -hmm. you know, uh, not getting out and, um, moving in the day because I'm sitting at, you know, in front of the computer for eight, nine, 10 hours, just trying to do the next thing. Uh, mostly I was, I was sacrificing my own emotional health. You know, I didn't actually like doing these things. I didn't enjoy, um, promoting the hell out of a book so that it would sell a bunch of copies for a week and, mm. and hit all the bestseller lists or most of the bestseller lists. And then I got to say, I'm a best-selling author. Why? What was the point? Um, it was an ego trip and, um, and I actually don't regret that because, you know, those experiences taught me many wonderful lessons and what they taught me was what was important to me. I, I can't tell you what's important to you. You might go, Hey, I want to do that. Great. Go do that. I, I, I won't judge it. Um, but it didn't give me the thing that I was seeking, which was a deeper sense of satisfaction in myself and in the work that I was doing. And so over the past few years, I've been exploring how do I build a life and a career mm -hmm. that I respect, that if I looked at Jeff Goins as a third-party person, I go, that's a cool dude. He's doing some cool stuff. Mm. I didn't think that about myself. I was admiring the lives of other people, and those lives and careers look nothing like my life. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, if I admire other people for doing X, Y, or Z, you know, but I'm doing ABC, I'm doing something completely different from them. Can I change that? Can I try mm -hmm. to do something? And turns out I could, you know, so my life over the past few years has been a process of traveling more, mm -hmm. um, getting out into nature, re reading deeper, older books that I, uh, respect and appreciate, uh, redeveloping a spiritual practice, um, which is like walking and thinking and listening and looking at things, you know, just very mm -hmm. simple. Um, and I've started writing poetry and, yeah. um, I see uh, that or, or, yeah, or, or continued. It's something that I did for a long time and it's just mm -hmm. a way to express myself in terms of work. I, I quit the online course game cause it wasn't, um, I was making a lot of money, uh, selling ideas to people that they didn't have to implement. And a lot of people didn't implement them. And that made me sad. And so I was getting, I was getting paid to tell people what to do and they weren't doing it. And that wasn't, that wasn't cool. That wasn't fun. That didn't feel yeah. gratifying. You know, uh, I would sell, you know, an online course and make hundreds of thousands of dollars in a few weeks. And then, um, you know, 10% of the people would finish the course. And that's just, I didn't like that. And I know some people go, that's just the way it is. I go, that's fine, but that's not how, how I want to work. And I started an agency working with, instead of working with 10,000 people in a year, I work with 20 and I have a little mm. team and we work on books and we, and we try to make better books and put them out into the world. Cause, cause that's what I know. I don't know a lot of things. Uh, I don't, I'm not an online marketing guru. Uh, I've done online marketing for a long time. I'm not a, a, an entrepreneurship guru. I've run a business for 10 years, um, but I'm not especially great at these things. They're just things that I've done. I do know books. I do know writing. It's something I've done my entire life. I care about good books. And uh, if I could be an advocate for putting better books out into the world and be a part of making some really good books uh, for other people and, and for myself, that feels good. Actually, I'm looking forward to it because you, you read it. <laughs> I enjoy reading a book, and then you just seem so quiet in the past yeah. few years. You see it come yeah. back for you today. <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to that too. I like, mm. I like writing, and mm. 
you know, uh, part of the reason why I haven't, you know, written a book in the past five years is mm -hmm. um, the personal tumult of my life. And just, I got out of practice and I realized, oh, I, I've in my head written three or four books in the past five years, you know, and I've started them and stopped. And so this year is the year where I start and continue. So I am working on a book. I'm, I'm beginning a book right now. And, um, and I don't know exactly what it'll be about, you know, um, but I know that it's time to say something and that I've got to, you know, get back into the gym as it were, you know, I've got to just kind of start working those creative muscles again. Uh, I have a friend and the truth is I have written, I've written five books in the past five years for other people. And oh. so I've be, I've become a better writer. Mm. Um, and, and I've learned a lot about writing and I get to take all that experience and apply it to the next book that'll have my name on it. So I have continued to write, but you're right. The, the, the name Jeff Goins was a very, you know, quiet voice in the world mm. for a few years. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's okay to shut up for a little while and listen to the world and mm. listen to yourself um, because what social media conditions us to do is to constantly react to everything all the time. <laughs> I don't know. May, again, maybe I'm just getting older. I don't, that, that's not interesting to me anymore to, to see, you know, one media outlet reacting to the other or one Instagram influencer reacting to somebody. Else. It just seems dumb. That's not the, the kind of deep thinking that is interesting to me. And it's not a conversation that I want to contribute to. And so in order to do that, I've got to quiet down. I've mm. got to go for a walk. You know, this morning I went for a walk slash run for about an hour and a half and I didn't take my phone. Mm. And I thought, oh, I didn't, I'm not going to take my phone. It won't count my steps, you know? Oh, darn. <laughs> but I did the, like, okay, but I still, I'm, I'm walking <laughs> and we live in this world of vanity metrics, right? <laughs> Where, um, I, I have a, I have a, I have a friend who had a Fitbit challenge, you know, Fitbit, right? Yeah. Um, and they were counting their steps and they were doing it in competition with all of their friends. And so what they would do is they would take the Fitbit watch and they would put it on their dog when they weren't walking so that the dog could, could get some steps for them. Well, that's not the point of that, right? Like the point is to actually get into better shape and move more and, 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 you know, feel better in your body. And so we live in this world where people are doing that all the time, where they're buying 750,000 followers on Instagram um, instead of spending the years earning mm. the trust of those people. And, and I just, I'm not that interested in that. Like I want to, whatever influence I have, I want to have earned it. Mm. And um, I don't just want people listening to me. I want the right people listening to me, right? I, I think these days more of like um, an audience as a party, right? Mm -hmm. Do I want the biggest party, you know, like, like, a, like a great Gatsby level party where there's a, you know, a thousand people there that I don't know, but they're there because they think I'm important, you mm -hmm. know, that's not, or do I want like 10 or 12 or maybe 20 people Mm. whose company I really enjoy. An audience is a conversation that you get to cultivate and bigger is not always better. Now it might, you might need an audience of a million people mm. or you might need an audience of 10 people. It really just depends on the change you want to create, the change you want to affect. I don't know what, what that size of an audience is, but it's mm. probably not as big as I used to think. And what I'm really interested in is, you know, having a conversation with someone like you, somebody who's been paying attention for a few years, and we can go a little bit deeper and we can talk about something mm -hmm. other than, I don't know, how do you, how do you hack the system or how do you, you know, become a bestseller at all costs? I'd rather go, you know, uh, what does it look like for you, Arrow, to, to spend, you know, the next season of your life becoming the kind of author that you would like to read, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's a good goal to chase because there's, there can be quantitative uh, measures that you can, that you can take. And there can also be qualitative measures. Like I, I want to become the kind of author I'd like to read. And that's probably going to take some time. That's a good goal because you get, you get to have that intrinsic motivation of yes. I'm always getting better. 
Um, and I'm always motivated and I feel good about that. Like that's so much better than, um, like I'd rather have the goal of, I want to feel better every day in my body than I want to lose 10 pounds. Right. Cause that, that's just a number and you can do that and actually feel worse in your body and go, Oh, that, that doesn't feel good. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, that's a, that's a long meandering answer to a question, but, um, Yes, I am. I, I am getting back into it. I, I don't. I don't know if it's a comeback. It's um. It's a different thing, and and that like that I've been thinking about sequels a lot, right? I'm mm -hmm. in what I consider the second season of my adult life, um, and I don't want it to be a sequel. You know, I don't want it to be derivative. I want mm -hmm. it to be. Uh, I don't even want it to be a, a whole new chapter. I want it to be a new thing entirely, right? And maybe it'll be better or bigger than the previous one, or maybe it'll just be different. And and that would be wonderful. I have a friend who calls life a series of one-act plays. It's not chapters. Each season of your life is a is a is is an invitation to completely reinvent yourself. That feels really exciting to me. Mm, do you have and the pattern that uh, you achieve something and then you just want to not throw it away, but completely ignore the past and then I have to reinvent and create something totally new. Do I Absolutely. Have okay. Yeah. I, I Yes, I have that pattern. And I struggle with that because there's a creative part of me mm. that um, uh, loves that. I love starting over. And then there's a very fearful part of me that says, well, you can't do that because nobody will care. Like I'm dealing with that right now. Nobody will care what you have to say. You know, you've disappeared for a few years. Nobody cares anymore. And that's scary and hard. And I think that's just part of the process of doing something truly creative is you have to risk anonymity. You have to risk the possibility and the likelihood that nobody will care about this thing which is why you really, really, really have to care about it. When I started my blog in 2000, the current blog that I have still today, coinswriter.com, mm. when I started that blog, at the end of 2010, 12 years ago, um, nobody cared, and I, I, but I cared, mm. and I had to get people to care. And the way that you get people to care is you care about it a lot, usually for a long time, before anybody else gives mm. a shit. And in, but if I see you getting up every day at 5 a.m. and writing and sharing a blog post or whatever, that's what I was doing. Um, and you do that consistently again and again and again and again. I go, wow, this guy really cares about this. This is really important to him. Maybe there's something to pay attention to. It's kind of like living in a big city. Um, you know, uh, maybe it's it's this way in Hong Kong. It's certainly this way in New York City. Um where you're walking past a restaurant or something and you see a big long line of people and you don't even know what they're standing in line for. And you go, wow, there's a lot of people standing in that line. I should get in that line and see what that's about. When we see other people caring about something, it's a signal to us that maybe we should care about it too, that this is mm. worth caring about. And so what I've been doing over these past few years is finding a way mm. to care about the work that I'm doing. And I do believe that if I care enough, um, with enough consistency, other people will go, Oh, that that's, that's something interesting. And maybe it, it, it'll be a lot of people, maybe it'll be a few people, but hopefully it'll be the right people. Got it. Seems like you, you've done really serious reflection in the past few years. Any more lessons from these past few years? Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't be it for yourself. And for sure. Yeah. Others. It's always, it's always for myself. You know, mm. I, I've learned, don't be afraid to change. Um, mm. don't be afraid to be quiet for a little while that, um, just because you're not saying anything doesn't mean you're not working. Mm. Um, and, and just because you listen for a little while doesn't mean that, um, that you aren't learning, that you aren't growing, that, mm. that, and and often one of the best ways to get other people to hear us is to listen to them, right? Um, and that's been a good lesson for me. Um, and again, you know, the idea that you have to live a life worthy of your own respect, that happiness comes from living in a way that is consistent with our own values, with the things that we esteem, 
We go, those are good things. And that will be different for everyone. Now, there'll probably be some consistencies, um, but you may not know exactly what that is. You might find yourself, I certainly did, you might find yourself living a life that looks successful to other people and you don't like it. Mm. And you can't talk yourself into liking a life that you don't respect. You can't like, and so, so I would go, I'm unhappy. People go, why you've got this and you've got this and you've got this, you should be happy. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't like those things, right? Th those aren't, those aren't worthy of my respect. I don't respect those things. I don't respect being famous just for being famous. Um, and so it's okay to change. Like if, if you find yourself looking at your life going, I should be happy, but I'm not, I'm successful or whatever. I, I should be content with these things. Well, that doesn't work. You can't force yourself to be content. You have to find pieces of your life that you go, wow, I can't believe I get to do that. That's amazing. And part of the wow that I found over the past few years is like, wow, I get to go fishing with my kids. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Look at the birds. Those are amazing. <laughs> you know, they weren't, they weren't big things or wow, I'm a pretty good writer. That's amazing. I'm going to write a little poem for myself and maybe people will read it. Or, or wow, some people still care about what I have to say. That's really wonderful. I'm going to take that seriously. What do all these things alive with the value? What are the values underneath all these things? What were your values back then and what are your values now? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think values, you live your values every day. So mm. it, like, I don't go away to a cabin and write down my values. Go, These are my values. I'm going to put them on the wall and remember them. I look at my life and my life tells me what I value. Mm. Now, sometimes my life tells me things that I value and I go, that doesn't work, right? Mm. Um, meaning I value a good time, right? So uh, I celebrate friends and uh, time with people I love, you know, and so we eat good food and drink good wine. Mm. And if I do that enough, I go, oh, but I also value like uh, feeling healthy, you know, <laughs> and, and, and so sometimes things kind of conflict. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't have said this, but, you know, five years ago, six, seven years ago, maybe mm. um, I valued. Um, being known by a lot of people you want attention is that what you want i wanted attention mm -hmm. mm. and um and i got it i i remember um going for a walk one day in this i live in a small town outside of nashville um called franklin and i was mm. going i was just walking through downtown area and and somebody and i was talking on the phone mm. and a car pulled by me and unrolled the window and they said Hey, is that Jeff Goins? And they like waved and honked and drove away. I don't know who it was. I, I, I don't think it was a friend. Um, I remember one time I was at Disney World with my family and uh, bumped into somebody who was a reader of mine. Mm. And what was interesting about these experiences is they, did, they didn't feel good. They felt silly to me because I noticed that what happens with fame, and I, I'm not famous, famous. I, I went and saw John Mayer play a concert last night he's famous famous um and but i had this little like internet fame where you know hundreds of thousands of people maybe maybe a million or so knew who i was had read my work i'm one of those and, yeah and that like that was that that felt good at a very surface level superficial kind of area like mm. right right here you know not not that deep down in the belly um the value that I had that I was unaware of was I, I valued being known, uh, feeling important to a lot of people. Mm. And then what I realized was that's not what I actually wanted. That wasn't what I valued. What I valued was being known, feeling known and accepted by people whom I respected and cared about. And so it's kind of the same value. Five mm. years ago, the value was... I want everybody to know the name Jeff Goins. But then when people go, hey, I, I know you, I would go, no, you don't. You know the thing that I let you see. And then on the other side of that, I want to feel known, truly known 
by a handful of people, by a few people that really care about me. And, and so a, a big value that I have would be friendship, connection mm -hmm. with um, the right people who love me for who I am and see uh, all the, the non-successful parts of me, you know, mm -hmm. um, that, that, that don't respect me just because of, of what I've done, because I represent an ideal that they aspire to. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be rich. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to be um, popular because I wasn't popular in school, you know? And, um, mm. and then I got that popular and I was like, I don't want to be popular. I want to have friends. I want to have good mm. friends. And I, and I want to have, and I want to do work that I like and that, that enough people like that I can make a living off of it. These, mm. so all of my old values are kind of shadows of the true value. So, um, I don't eschew money. Like I, I don't have a problem with money. I like money. Um, but instead of trying to get a lot of money, I go, well, what I really want is experiences. So mm. I use money to create experiences like going to a John Mayer concert the last minute last night. That was a fun experience and it cost money. Um, and so, yeah, like what did I want before? I want, you know, I valued money. I valued success and I valued fame. Mm. Um, and I had other values too. You know, I, I was committed. I was pretty committed to my family. Um, you know, there were other things, but those are the things that I was really seeking. And now I would go, well, what do I value? Um, I value really interesting work, like doing stuff that, that feels <laughs> new and unusual, uh, unusual to me. And maybe it's successful. Maybe it's not, but it's interesting. I value good experiences with good people, like, like really great experiences. Uh, I value, one of my values is novelty. I want to do lots of different things. I want to try new things. I want to treat everything as an experience, um, or as an experiment. Um, but yeah, I mean, like these days life is about creating smaller, more meaningful experiences with people I truly care about doing good work for people who care. And that could be a million people. I don't care, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus on work that I'm proud of. And then a sense of personal satisfaction. Like, am I good with my life? When I look at my life, I go, that's a pretty good life. Mm. I feel that way. There are parts of my life that I want to make better. I'm working on those things. And I think that's fine. Um, but five years ago, that wasn't true. I was doing all these things and there was mm. a part of me that goes, eh, it's not what I want. And I thought the answer was more. The answer wasn't more. The answer was better. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't know it was smaller. I wasn't trying to live a smaller life. I was just trying to focus on better, like making my life better by my definition. And and then I would and I would re-enter, say, social media or mm -hmm. whatever. Like I need to make this much money. And I would go, why? That doesn't like I've done that. Or I need more people to know who I am or sell more copies of this book. And I'll go, why? Or I need to send out a tweet today. But why? I didn't have good reasons for this in the past. It was just, I'm doing this because I have to do it. And so just kind of like being still, like concentrating the nucleus of my life in a way that like feels really good. Um, you know, like that has become a really solid launch pad or base for the rest of life. And, and so I was kind of out here, out in the world doing mm. lots of things, but there was no solid core. It was very disintegrated. And so I've really been working on building that core over the past few years. What does that look like? What is my, my, my home base, friends, mm. uh, family, mm. um, uh, you know, a, a, a deep sense of personal satisfaction. And then from that core, it's like, well, um, now, you know, like, I can get into a, a relationship or mm. I can meet this new person or I can write this new book or I can go have this experience or I can start this new business. And these things come from the core instead of trying to define it. And I think I was before trying to create an identity through activity instead of really focusing on who I am and who I am, what mm. I do should follow from who I am. How did you exactly get along with these people that you truly care about compared to 
uh, five years ago, is it like you were so busy with fame and money, but now you spend way more time with them and build truly deep connections? That's yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, people come into your life sometimes, you know, what is the saying? They come into your life for a season, a reason, or a lifetime, right? Um, uh, getting a divorce is is a good way to lose a good chunk of friends, you know, <laughs> like it, like it. So that that happened, and and it's also a good way to meet some new friends because you've had a new experience. Um, so as I changed, I think I began to attract other people into my life. And I realized like being a really good friend and having good friends is really, really important to me. Mm -hmm. And, and I have a, a lot of friends, I would say, like I have, a, I have a good core group of friends and then I've got a lot of just people that I know in the world and that's really fun. Um, so, you know, how did I find these people? Um, I think I was willing to. I started being more honest. What happened? Exactly. I feel that. I, I started being more honest and some people couldn't handle that. And I, I don't like losing friends. Mm. Um, I really try to not lose friends, period. Sometimes when I should let them go. And so as I started to change, people just started to leave. And, and in mm. some cases, they said, Jeff, I can't be your friend anymore. Um, and in most cases, we just kind of lost touch. And I let that happen on purpose. Like, oh, I go, I don't. I don't actually enjoy spending time with this person anymore, <laughs> but I'm doing it to do it. Mm. And so I just started being more honest and I started mm. sharing parts of myself with people that I otherwise might be afraid to share. Like I'm really struggling with this today. Mm. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. And I feel shame about that because people think I'm successful, you know, whatever it might be, something like that. And the people that drew near to me when I would share those things. I go, oh, that's that's a friend worth having. And the mm -hmm. people that that tried to fix me or like couldn't handle that, that it wasn't. And so over time, as you become more comfortable with who you truly are and mm -hmm. sharing that with the world, some people will handle it and many probably can't handle it. And that's fine. The people that are meant to be in your life will reveal themselves. But one of the best ways for you to build a better group of friends, I think, is to just be more honest and be mm. more vulnerable. And, and you don't have to do that all the time with everybody. But as you begin to get to know somebody uh, better, revealing these deeper parts of yourself is, um, is an invitation to be mm. known at a deeper level. And that feels really good. And I, I'm seeing that in lots of areas of my life, friendship, romance, parenting. Mm. Five years ago, I was afraid to share parts of myself with my spouse, with my children, with my friends. And when I started doing that, it was very scary for me. And it's mm. still scary for me. But when, when I see somebody love me, love the parts of me that I'm afraid are unlovable, it's really, really powerful. That's, that's way better than fame. Mm. Is that love that um, you ultimately find out love is the thing that you seek? Yes, of course. Mm. Uh, love is the thing that we seek and the thing that we're made of, right? Mm. Um, that love, I think, is, is what happens when you have two open hearts that see each other. That is mm. that space... And, and you can have that with, within yourself. I love myself. There is a part of me that connects with another part of me that goes, you're okay. I love you. You're doing, you're doing great. You know, and, and say five years ago, there, there were parts of myself that I didn't love a lot of, a lot of myself that I didn't love. And, and so that didn't feel good. And there's still parts of me that I don't accept all the way, you know, and I go, I wish you were different. I wish you could do this a little bit better. Um, and one of the things that good friends do is I think they help you love parts of yourself that you think are unlovable. When I see mm. people that I respect and love loving parts of me that I go, I don't like that part. They go, no, no, this is a good part too. And I go, okay. Like my friends and loved ones teach me how to accept parts of myself. And that's, yeah, like, uh, yes, of course I, I'm seeking love, happiness, joy, uh, whatever you want to call it, just a sense of like, I'm okay. It's okay. Everything's all right. That's a wonderful feeling.
So if the logic is like you now you're taking off all the mask, you love yourself and show the true self to all of the world. If you accept me, then fine. If you don't like that, just go away. That's your uh -huh. approach now. Yeah. Um and if you don't like me, that's okay. That makes sense. You know, like I'm not mad about that. I mean, sometimes I'm mad about it. <laughs> um, I would say the approach is I'm continually discovering deeper parts of myself. And I I don't think I found the true self. I just take off a layer and I go, oh, there's more here. Take off another layer, I go, oh, there's there's more here. I thought that as I pulled off the masks, there'd be nothing left. And the truth is that I as I pull away the layers, the thing that I understand as myself expands. I go, oh, there's more here oh. than I thought. Hmm. And that's really, that's really cool. That's really interesting. Um, Every and time you pull a layer of the onion, the, that layer, is this some past experience or? Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, um, it's what we might consider the conditioned self. It is the thing that you thought you had to be to survive in the world. And, and it was a good thing. Uh, but as you peel off the onion layers, the onion gets smaller. So that analogy isn't exactly right. It's like, imagine you have um, like a balloon. Mm. And the balloon is, um, this is not a great analogy. Either. I've got to find a better analogy. But imagine you've got like a balloon that's surrounded with mud. And and as you peel away the mud, the balloon has less pressure around it, and it actually gets bigger. It expands as you as you pull away the layers. These layers you find are preventing who you are from interacting with the world. And as you as you peel them away, what you are expands like a balloon or a cloud or something kind of amorphous. And it the container that you mm. put around your life gets bigger and broader. And, and we know this is true because remember when you were a child, when you were 10 years old yeah. and you thought this is the way the world is. And now 10, 20, 30 years later, you go, Oh, I was wrong about a lot of things. And, and I see the world differently now. And, and I, and because I have more experience, how I experience the world is more comprehensive. I have a, hopefully a deeper broader experience of the world and that can keep going throughout adulthood it doesn't have to stop but a lot of people get to you know adulthood and they go i'm done and now i just have to be this way forever and that's not been my experience um as i remove the layers what i am expands and increases in a way that's really exciting and so my work is to better understand myself and then choose how and where I share that with the world. And I don't share equally with everybody, right? Mm. Uh, what I share with my girlfriend is very different from what I would share with you because mm. it should be that way, right? She has earned the right to see deeper parts of myself. And I trust her with more of me than I would with you. Cause just, you know, the depth mm. of the relationship. Um, but I do try to show up as I am with as few masks as possible, because mm. that feels better to me. And and then and then there's an invitation because the problem is if you're wearing a mask and people like you, you know it's fake. You know they don't like you for who you are. They like you for what you've shown them, and that gets old. Mm. Oh man, it seems like you really get past all the shallow meaning of the society fame and money and then you just realize your true self and you are still figuring it out yeah. what about your your work is it only the book project as your comeback or something bigger maybe it is just a grandiose idea not fully formalized yet uh yeah, I would like to do lots of things. You know, mm. I, I feel really excited. Um, I would like to have more in-person events. You know, I'd like to get back into not big conferences, but, you know, workshops around the world. I love travel. I would love to travel to different locations um, and, and bring writers and creative to professionals together. Yeah, I would love to go to Hong Kong. I would love that. Um, no, I, getting people together and doing work together, that feels cool. I'd love to get more into performance. You know, there's so many parts of me that I haven't got to explore yet uh, as fully as I want to. I, I was used to do a lot of acting 
And um, I, I would love to do like a one man show, you know? Um, so I've got lots of ideas, you know? Uh, books are part of it. I'd like to get out and speak more. Um, that's a thing that I'm pretty good at that I haven't got to do much over the past few years for lots of reasons, uh, including the pandemic. Um, yeah, and I'm a musician and I have, uh, I have a bunch of friends in Nashville who are musicians and I'd love to collaborate with them, you know, music meets poetry or something. So I've got a, a million ideas. Um, I think instead of doing one big thing, I just want to do a bunch of projects and see mm. where those projects take me. And uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I actually liked about writing books was, mm. um, you could spend a year on it. You could write it, put it out into the world and then move on to the next thing. And that was really fun. That's really fun for me to focus fully on something and then go do something else. Um, as a combat, is there any big announcement for the white people in your own definition? You want to, you want to make an announcement to these people? An announcement that I want to make to the right people. Yes. Yeah, just your in your own definition. Uh, definition of what? Uh, the white people, because you just mentioned. Oh, what are the right people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what the right people are. I know what the wrong people are. I know. I, I know. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I, I like know. It. I'm. I, I know. I'm tired of meeting people who. Mm. Um, who want to succeed at all costs and don't know why. Your old self. Can I see that? Yeah, my old self. That's okay. right. Yeah. Um, and there's probably some work to be done there. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm rejecting my old self instead of loving it. But that game is just tired to me. You know, Jeff, give me 15 principles for success. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't believe that anymore. You know, and, and the wrong people, I would say this, like, um, I could tell you 10 things to do to become a best-selling author. <clears throat> and that's like giving a child a gun. Like, I, I, I think I know some things that are really dangerous. Mm. And so um, I've become quite fascinated by, you know, Eastern philosophy uh, mm. over, you know, recent years. Uh, Zen Buddhism in particular, all the different kinds of Zen Buddhism, um, Taoism. Uh, but what's really interesting about Eastern traditions is um, how they don't tell you what to do. It's the antithesis of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, the Tao is not the Tao. The way is not the way, right? It's like, uh, what is the old, uh, I think it's a Confucius saying, or maybe it's, 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 it's in the Tao. Um, hmm. he who knows does not say, right? <clears throat> Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu, yeah, Lao Tzu. Yeah, no. um, uh, he, who know, he who knows does not say, and he who says does not know. Hmm. Um, I really enjoy hanging out with people who know. And I go, mm -hmm. but you're not saying anything. And hmm. I spent a, a lot of time with people who talked a lot and were just passing advice back and forth. I heard this on a podcast. I read this in a book. Da, 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 da. It's like, yeah, but can you, you know, what is the, the Blaise Pascal said? Most of the world's problems could be solved if a man could sit in a room by himself and be still. Mm. So I, I see videos on Instagram sometimes of people saying, you got to, you got to get into this moment. You've got to appreciate the moment. Look at this sunset. And I'm like, Dude, you're making an Instagram video <laughs> instead of looking at the sunset. Like, I don't believe you. You know, that sort of lack of self-awareness, disconnect, I, I just not interesting to me. Mm. Um, so the the wrong people are um the people who are still chasing that. And I will love them from afar, mm. but it's not the kind of energy I want to spend a lot of time around. I want to spend time with the people whom life has broken a little bit, who have had their dreams dashed to the ground. Because those people are real, they're honest, mm. uh, and they're asking deeper questions, which is, um, well, what now? Right? What is my life? Mm. And I can relate to that. That feels true. 
And I don't have any problem going, hey, here's how to turn your next book into a bestseller. But let's also talk about what is it you're really seeking, right? And what are you prepared to do if you find out that this is not the thing that you actually want? Mm. Um, yeah, so, uh, and to everybody, I would say, you're okay, right? And yeah. and it's okay if you don't think you're okay. But part of the the beauty of relationship, whether it's a call like this or a marriage or all things in between, is helping people, uh, like both of us working together to realize we're okay. It's okay. You know, <laughs> all is well. It's it's gonna be all right. Um, that's that's a wonderful thing. And I, and and when I get around people and like last night at the concert, I was like, this is cool. You know, like look at humanity coming together. Hmm. to just be okay and to listen to songs of love and heartbreak and feel good together. So it's a wonderful thing. Um, and I, I used to think if you just got a bunch of people into an auditorium, you know, you'd be okay. And it's like, no, like let's get the right people in a room together and be honest with each other. I, yes. I, I think, the, I think the right person is somebody who's willing to be a little bit more honest than they need to be. Cause that's where, we can really find some good depth. I have to be honest with you. When I look up to your old self, I look up to your creative side. Mm -hmm. And I can sense that you put up some masks. And I really get that you pull off all the masks with me in this, in this environment now. Because you were just so different than mm -hmm few years ago and yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm just so glad that i can talk to you in person <laughs> yeah well thank you for saying that and i love hearing how people perceived me in the past it's a lesson to me um and and i i, I try not to denigrate that work I'm, I'm proud of the work that i've done um uh and i know there was a deeply unhappy dissatisfied person who is doing that work but you're right yeah i mean i was always kind of a creative guy yeah exactly. fitting, fit, fitting myself into boxes that didn't quite contain me and and sometimes and we need boxes to express ourselves you know art mm. needs a frame i don't know what the next box will be but i'm going to try to not believe i am the box i am the energy filling the box got it thank you so much jeff i'm i'm very grateful i can do this conversation with you as a comeback for you coming back well uh, I love that word comeback. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still here. I never left. Um, and, and so there's nothing to come back from or to, um, but, but I might sh share some of these parts of my life with the world and, and hopefully some deeper ways. Um, and thank you. I appreciate you. This was a, a life giving conversation for me. Thank you for seeing me, even when I was hiding those parts, you know, um, it feels good to be seen and I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I meet you. I really appreciate your vulnerability and also yeah, treating me as a friend, true friend, you're with your complete honesty. Thank you so much, Jeff. My pleasure. Next time, tea in Hong Kong. Yes, do come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you based in New York, right? Uh Nashville. Yeah. Nashville. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I will definitely pay you. Cool. All right. Stay in touch, Arrow. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh you too. Bye for now. See you.